So we're beginning a new message series on the book of James. So if you'd like to find it, it's toward the end of your Bible. It's kind of about maybe six from the last book. Um, and it's a book that was written, uh, it's really, really practical stuff. And so the next few weeks, 10, 15 weeks, we're going we're gonna to kind of slow walk through this because it's just really good and it's super a- applicable or applicable. How do you all say it? Um, how do you say it? Oh, okay. Thank, thank you. We say it, but we, okay. Um, so anyway, we're at a season, you know, you get into January and you think about, hey, these are things I'd like to change. This is stuff I'd like to do different. And so James kind of gives us a roadmap of what it looks like to, to follow Christ the best you can follow him. Now, we're talking about today spiritual maturity, and the model of spiritual maturity is, is Christ. And so James talks to us a lot about, hey, how do you get to a place where you kind of look like Christ is kind of what it looks like. And, you know, it's, it's a new year, and I don't know if that, about you, but I've been reading some stuff, and, uh, man, I, I read just recently about sort of the, the hazards of eating chocolate and how bad it is for you, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it up. No more reading, because uh, uh, <laughs> who needs that negativity in your, in your heart? You know, it's no good. I read this one guy, he, he prayed a prayer, he said, Dear God, my prayer for 2019 is to have a fat bank account and a, and a skinny body. Uh, don't mix it up like you did last year. So I think um, most of us would like to think we're going we're gonna to be different this year. But, but the funny thing, I mean, I've lived long enough to know that if I don't have a plan to be different, then I'm not different. And, and so in, in Hebrews it says, Therefore, let us move beyond elementary teachings about Christ and be taking, taken forward to maturity. And I look at this, I like to hike, our family hikes a lot. I look at this verse as kind of a hiking verse, and I'll, maybe I can unpack it for you. You have to get to the trailhead to start the, the path, right? The trailhead is where you start. And usually at the trailhead, and South Carolina is great about this, they have a map, and this is, you can take the red markers or the blue markers or whatever. But you don't, you don't get to the trailhead and stop, the trailhead is the starting spot. It's not where you end. And I think this text is saying some of you all have gotten to the trailhead. You, you've re- recognized that you have sin and you need somebody to forgive your sin and you've asked Jesus to do that. And you've realized that you on your own make really bad decisions and you need somebody to help you walk the path. But, but this verse, and I think what God would say to us is, all right, start walking. Um, the The beauty of the hike isn't at the trailhead. The beauty of the hike is up the trail. And and so today we're going to talk about what does it look like to get to a place of spiritual maturity. And I had a guy that came up afterward and he said, man, that was really kind of convicting. And that's sort of the point is that we're going to make a little bit of an assessment. Hey, you know, the question we're going to ask is, am I spiritually mature? And I'm going to give you five things. Here are some five indicators. If, if you're looking at your, your car and the check engine light comes on, you know you need to do something. Uh, if you look at your gauge and you're running hot, you need to, you know, pull over and, and do something about that. If your oil light comes on, you need to do something. Those are indicators, right? Well, so the book of James has this series of of teachings about this is what it looks like to really follow Christ. And these are indicators. And so we're going to kind of to look at, hey, what sort of things, what sort of things am I, am I doing? Am I, am I 
Am I going down the path nicely or have I gotten off path? Getting off path is really not good. Miriam and I were, we, we hiked to Wheeler Peak in um, New Mexico. We were younger. The kids weren't with us. I think it's a 13,000-foot peak, much t- taller than anything around here, <laughs> chumps, And because um, we are real hikers. Anyway, um, so we hiked up this thing. I am dying. I am dying. And we, we got up <laughs> to the top of this thing, and we saw we kind of, there were two paths. There's one along the ridge for normal, sane people. That's not the one we took. We took the one that had like a 25% elevation. I mean, it was like we were climbing up. It was nuts, and the rocks were falling out. So we decided it would make sense for us to hike down that other path. Does anybody see a flaw in our logic? We parked here. That path goes there. So we got up the path about about a mile, and it was like, um, we're not going where our car is. Now, at this point... A brother's got a couple of options, right? You can backtrack. What's backtracking for? Chumps. That's right. All right, so uh, you can backtrack, or a much, much better solution is go off trail and try to find your way back to your car in uh, the Rocky Mountains. Doesn't that make a lot of sense? To uh, Yeah, so that's, I said, Miriam, let's go off trail. You want to know if your wife loves you when she says yes to that. Uh, it's like, okay, we'll do that. So basically, she said, my life is in your hands and you're going to kill us. So, uh, so dumb. It was a dumb one of, I mean, I made a lot of dumb uh, decisions in my life. That's one of them. And, and it's not even at the top ten. Uh, anyway, so am I walking the path properly? Now, spiritual maturity, let's talk about what it's not so that we can talk about what it is. It has really nothing to do with how old you are. You can be old as dirt and not be wise, not be spiritually mature. God's plan for us is to grow wiser as we grow older. That's not always the way it works. And I saw a bumper sticker the other day, and these people were proud enough to put this on their car, and it said, I'm, I may be getting older, but I refuse to grow up. And you want to just say, well, that's just stupid. That's dumb. You're dumb as a bag of rocks. Why would you not want to grow up? Don't you want to be smarter than you were a few days ago, a few hours ago? My, my, my daughter plays middle school girls basketball. If you get into heaven, and I'm pretty sure you don't, but if you get into heaven for watching bad basketball, I get to sit next to Jesus. I mean, I am in. Because it is, Dwayne, give me some love. I mean, you know it's the truth. All right, so. We played a team the other day, and by we, I mean her team. My, my daughter's team played a, a really, really good team. Now, normal people, when they're playing a team, this team ran the same play. I counted it 11 times in a row. You want to know why they ran it 11 times in a row? Because 11 times in a row, we didn't stop it. In fact, I just think they got tired of it. We never stopped it. They just were like, oh, let's try something else. That's too easy. What you want to do is, if you make a mistake, or two, or 11, at some point you say, well, (laughs) I think we ought to adjust. Okay, so you might be old and not wise. So spiritual maturity has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with achievement. Have you ever seen anybody who has great achievement and no maturity? 
I mean, we, we could come up with name after name after name. Uh, you know, Kanye and, and Kim Kardashian, the couple, the perfect couple uh, of people who have achievement, but really sometimes not maturity. Our president sometimes is like, don't tweet, you don't have to say it. Uh, just take his phone away. Uh, um, it's just, dude, you don't have to say, daddy used to say to me, you don't have to say everything you think. I mean, it really isn't mature. And so it's not about your achievement. You could be a high achiever and not mature, just how how it is. It's not about academics. You can have degree after degree. You can be so degreed that they call you Dr. Fahrenheit. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, uh, But, did you get it? You get it? It's uh, it's really, uh, yeah, thank you for the drum. Uh, I need my drummer back. Uh, You can be really, really smart and not mature. It's just how it works. So, it's not about age, it's not about achievement, it's not about academics. Spiritual maturity has everything, everything to do with your attitude. How do you look at life? D.L. Moody was um, a great pastor in Chicago uh, many, many, many years ago, a long time ago. And he had a saying, and it was, character is what you are in the dark. When nobody's looking over your shoulder, when you have no accountability, what are you doing when nobody's watching? That's your character. Because here's the deal. Your reputation is what people think about you. It's how people see you. And you can fool people. You can have the wool pulled over other folks' eyes. It's just how it works. Your reputation is what people say about you. Your character is what God knows about you. He knows who you are deep inside. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're doing. Um, If he was Santa, he would see you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. I mean, God knows you intimately. And you can fool everybody else. And you can come to church, and you can put on your church face, and you can use your church language, and you can say, bless you, brother. And you can do all that stuff. And you might be as rotten as, (laughs) as a tomato inside. Your reputation, you might have a great reputation, and and I hope you do have a great reputation. Your character is what's deep inside. And so the book of James is a lot about character. What what does a person of character, what, what does a person of Christian character do? How do they behave? What does it look like as they walk down the path uh, to, to maturity? What does being spiritually mature look like? And James uses the word, the, the word for mature in, in Greek is teleos, and he's, he uses it several times in this book. It's as if James was, he was like the pastor of First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. I mean, he was a, he was a big, he was a, a prominent leader in the first church. And he, he, he wrote this instruction manual. Hey, this is what it looks like to live the Christian life. And so the next few weeks we're going to look at it. I'm going to kind of give a little overview today of here are some things that we're going to be watching for, some markers, some indicators. So spiritual maturity, number one, is being positive under pressure. So you ask yourself, how do I handle pressure? Now, as I read this verse, I want us to notice the word when. It kind of, I should have highlighted it in yellow, but it, 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 it jumps if, if you look at it. And, and it really, it's funny. It's funny how the Bible works for me. Uh, I can read a text over and over and over again. Honestly, I've probably read this text preparing for this morning 
40 times. And yet last night I read it again and I'm like, man, look at the word when. Like when just kind of jumped out at me. So I didn't see it the first few times. That's why I didn't have it in yellow. But notice this, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. That's our word. We're going to grow. We want to grow spiritually. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you don't get this, you're, this is tough. It doesn't say, if trouble comes your way, does it? It doesn't say trouble might come your way. It, it is a guarantee. When trouble comes your way, you can handle it. You consider it joy. For when your faith is tested, trouble sometimes comes as a test. God wants to see what, what we're made of. What do, we, what, what, what's, what, do we, what do we have within us? And, and do we grumble or do we, do we complain or, or do we still have gratitude? Again in James, God blesses those who patiently endure this testing and the temptation. Not if it comes, but when it comes. And if you had any doubt, Jesus sort of settles the whole issue when he says, in this world you will have trouble. It, it's, a, it's settled. And my becoming a follower of Christ didn't take trouble away because I, live, I still live in a fallen world. There is a perfect place, it's called heaven, and we're not there yet. And so, in this world, we're going to have trouble. That's kind of one side of the coin. And then Jesus says, but the other side, the good news is, but take heart, I've overcome the world. It's not more than you can handle. It's not more than we can handle. There's stuff that looks overwhelming to me, and it, it probably would overwhelm me if I didn't have Christ. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I'm, I'm right with you, bro. We're walking this together. We're on the hike together. You're not going it alone. Yes, there's going to be trouble. The other day I was hiking. I was hiking um, Ravencliff Falls, the real hike, not the one just to the outlook. And um, I was doing that because I have daughters and they like to hike and I like to think I'm as young as they are, which is really, really stupid. And um, there's a tree there and I kind of fell and hit my face uh, on another tree. It was great. And um, as I'm going down, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose a tooth because I hit. I mean, I really hit face first, and uh, really wasn't that big a deal. We stumble in life. You are going to stumble if you if you get get on the trail. You're going to stumble because it's hard on the trail. The Bible tells us this is a difficult, but you're learning. You want to know what I learned? By falling over that log, dude, you should probably walk around the logs next time. That's kind of, I am really smart that way. Like, well, if a log is going to knock you down, why don't you go around or go slower? I mean, it's embarrassing to have to, you know, old man over it. You want to know what's more embarrassing? Falling on your face. So, I decided, hey, I'm just going to go old man over these trees. And I did. You want to know how many times more I fell? None, because I learned. All about learning. So, you, you get out there, you, you have some trouble, you understand, God is with me through this, Jesus said. He's, when he says, take heart, that would be as if he put his arm around you, patted you on the chest and said, dude, I'm right here. 
I'm going I'm to get through, we're going to get through this. Have you ever had a friend put his arm around you and say, we're going to get through this? Some of you have had that opportunity recently. You, you're going through some tough stuff, and you've had somebody come alongside you and say, we're going to get through this. Maybe you're the one who's putting an arm around somebody, and you're saying to your friend, we're going to get through this. We get through stuff. There's no trouble. The Bible tells us there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. We are not to be, we will not be separated. I mean, Paul talks about this in Romans. I read it yesterday at a funeral, by the way. Um, and, and it neither death nor life, I mean, nothing is going to separate us. You don't have to worry. Yes, you're going to have trouble. Don't worry about it. Just get through it because Christ is with you. How do you handle problems that are going to come? Not, not if, when they're going to come. So, number one, how do I handle problems? Spiritual maturity, can I be positive when I'm having trouble? Secondly, can I be sensitive to other people? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, James says, love your neighbor as yourself. When we work with children, what we notice about kids is they are very self-centered. The, the, the toddlers are in a room right back there. And um, the toddlers, they're fun because toddlers are big enough to be uber-selfish. And so this kid will be playing with this thing, and that kid will be playing with that thing, and this kid will get up and go take that thing from that kid. They, they, were, they were okay until they saw that kid have something else, and they go get that, because it's all about them. And when we analyze our own conversations, is it always got to be, do I have to steer the conversation back to me? Does it always have to come back to me? Hey, uh, let's talk about you for a second. Now, let's talk about me, because I really like to talk about me. You know, most of us do like to talk about me. And it's a sign of spiritual maturity when it doesn't simply have to be about me. There's this super interesting research done. Michigan, University of Michigan and Yale got together. They started looking at some folks who were in these sort of unglamorous jobs. And they wanted to see how they functioned in unglamorous jobs. You may have had an unglamorous job in your life. And they were thinking about, okay, what jobs are kind of unglamorous? And the one they kind of came to was they thought, well, being an orderly at a hospital, that's really, I mean, there are glamorous people in the hospital. You've got, you know, the administrators and you've got the surgeons and the doctors and the anesthesiologists and, and you've got people that have some titles and the people that are the orderlies, they're the ones that clean up the fluids and, you know, the, the, the throw-ups. And it's really an unglamorous job. But what they found was there's, there's a, a group of, of these orderlies who they determined, they were told, listen, you're not just, it's not just grunt work you do. What you do, you're part of the healing team. And how you treat our patients helps our patients. And they started to be told this, hey, how you, how you behave. And so they started to, to see their jobs as, okay, well, this is, I'm not, just, I'm not just a janitor. I'm somebody that helps people get healed. I'm part of the healing team. And when they started to think about it differently, by the way, it's called job crafting. This is the definition. Job crafters are those who do what's expected because it's required, and then 
they find a way to add something new to their work in order to suit their desire to make a difference. Listen, every job has a purpose. Every job has a purpose. And, and they started, they started to, to talk to the patients. Can I, can I get you anything while I'm here? Do you need any, anything to drink? you need Kleenex? There was one, this is super interesting to me, one housekeeper reported rearranging the pictures on the wall because she had read an article that said that even in a comatose state, sometimes a change of scenery will stimulate someone to come out of a coma. She wasn't paid for that and nobody told her to do it. But she saw her job as something more than simply a task. Now, for us, how do we treat people? Because James talks about this a ton. Chapter 2 is all about how do you treat people. Evidently, in the first century, there was this hierarchy in churches, or hierarchy in, in society, maybe not churches. In fact, James said not here. But in, in society, you had people of, of you know, this level and this level and this level and this level. And if you were at the highest level, you kind of didn't associate with these people. And if you were at this level, you didn't associate with these people. And, and, and James basically said, that may be how it works in government, and that may be how it works in the public, but it doesn't work that way here. We don't do that at church. It's not going to be that way at church. You treat everybody with respect especially the poor. Man, you think about this. If you're always on the bottom rung and people are always putting you down and you went to a church and everybody was kind to you, how would that feel to you? First century church exploded. You want to know why? Because people got treated right. Nobody got looked down on. James says, that's not how we act around other people. I know there are people that you deal with, and you're just annoyed because they don't do a very good job. I experienced, I experienced it yesterday. I made a phone call to somebody. I was trying to get some information about their business, and, and it was, yeah, maybe, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> okay. I'm thinking to myself, you're not very good at this. Now, I could have said, Put somebody on the line that knows what they're talking about. I'm going to come up here, I'm going to talk to your sister. You know what? Who knows what's going on in her life? She might have been having a bad day. Maybe she just broke up with her boyfriend. Maybe she needed to break up with her boyfriend. Maybe she got a bad taco for lunch. I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff. All I know is she wasn't very good. Can you be patient with people who don't, don't, don't do their job well? See, that's a sign of maturity. Can, can you be patient? Because patience is a virtue. And here's what I know about me. I give God ample opportunity to be patient with me. I give him opportunity all the time. And he always is. If Jesus is our model, if Jesus is our spiritual maturity model, I, I'm fairly certain he's real patient with me. And I should probably be real patient with other people. The next one, a spiritual mature person, oh, we're going to get busy right now, mm -hmm, is able to master his or her mouth. Might be a good time to take a, a, a break. Might want to exit, not come back. Um, indeed, we all make many mistakes. I like that. I like that. 
For if we could, if, <laughs> if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. You know, the whole thing is we can't, it seems, control our tongues. When you go to the doctor, you sit on that little bench and you have the, the paper on there and, and he comes over to you with a, with a popsicle stick and what does he say? Stick out what? Stick out your tongue. He can tell your health by looking at your tongue and so can the Lord. He can tell your spiritual health by looking at the Lord. In World War II, evidently, there was a saying, loose, li- loose lips sink ships. And we have got to control our mouths. Nobody amened that, but it should have gotten a brother. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yes. Here, here's if we can't control our mouths, if we can't control them, it is not spiritually mature. I hear people. People will say to me sometimes, "I just say, I just say what I, I just say what I think. I just say what I think." Like, well, why? You ain't supposed to say what you think. I mean, nowhere in the Bible does it say, hey, you should just say what you think. In fact, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Does it say, just say what you think? It don't say, just say what you think. It, it, nowhere. I've, I've read the Bible a lot. There is no verse that says, just say what you think. In fact, there's a lot of verses like... Um, <laughs> Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Be slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to become angry. There's a whole lot, a whole lot of encouragement to not say everything you think. I don't remember this real well, but back in 1973, I I wasn't very old, but back in 73, evidently there 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 was this shortage of stuff. The stock market had crashed, and there was this shortage mentality kind of psychology that got into our minds. And there was a shortage of oil, and there was a shortage of gas, and, and uh, like even onions. I think there were shortages of certain uh, products. Well, <laughs> there, there was a report out, uh, kind of a news report that said in Japan they were suffering from a shortage of toilet paper. And Americans freaked out. And then a congressman said, we might need to prepare for a shortage of toilet paper. Now, that ain't no laughing matter. I mean, you really, uh, uh, we got to, it's something we have to have. Of course, I'm from Kentucky. We're outhousing corncob people. But anyway, uh, for most people, most people, this is a big deal, right? It's a big deal. And so they would, you would be invited to parties, and on the bottom it would say, B-Y-O-T-P. Got to bring your own toilet paper because we ain't providing it for you is kind of what they're saying. It's super interesting to me. Now, Americans kind of freaked out over this, but after several months of there being no shortages, they figured out, well, this really wasn't that bad. It, it's not about how bad it was. It was about how you thought how bad it was. It, it really wasn't that bad. Listen, in Proverbs it says, the power of life and death is in the tongue, is in what we say. You, you can be an encouragement or you can be a discourager to people. Look at this verse. If though, this, you talk about getting kicked in the shins verse. This is one of them. If those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they mislead themselves. Oh. I mean, do you wonder what he's talking about here? 
if you think you're following Christ the way you should, but you can't control your mouth, you, you're not. You're just not. And this applies, listen to me, please listen. Social media, this applies to social media. Oh my goodness, the other day, this girl that I knew up in Michigan, she posted something about the wall. And you talk about a firestorm. I, I read the comments. It's like, oh, and these are people I knew back and forth in each other. <sighs> Listen, they, they didn't need to back and forth each other on that. They, they just didn't. In fact, it says, we will speak the truth in love. There was no love. They were just annoyed with each other. And here's what I think this verse means. Speaking the truth in love means I... I speak it at the right time, I speak it in the right place, and I, I do it with the right motive. If I can't get all three of those to line up, I probably should just not say anything. If it's not the right time, I shouldn't say it. If it's not the right place, if I need to pull somebody aside and say, man, I need to talk to you just for a second, I'm not going to embarrass you out in front of somebody. I'm sure not going to post it to social media. There's a time... There's a place, and there's an attitude, a motive. Am I just doing this because you annoy me or because I think Scripture says something different? We have to, we have lost in our country an ability to be charitable to other people. I don't have to agree with you to like you. I don't have to agree with you. I mean, we, can we not agree to disagree and still be friends? We ought to be friends. We, we just ought to get along. And those of us who are followers of Christ, oh my word, please, let's set the example of civility. We just ought to be civil with one another. Which leads me to the next point. Peacemakers, uh, a, a spiritual mater- a person is either a peacemaker and not a troublemaker. And he says, what's causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? Uh, we ask the question, are you, we should I, am I getting my feelings hurt too easy? I mean, am I, am I just annoyed with everything? Because here, he gives a couple of reasons why we get annoyed with each other, why we have conflict. One is selfish. When you ask, you don't get because your motives are all wrong. We, we're thinking about me and me and me and more me, and I'm praying, and when I pray, my prayers are about me and not others. And, and then he says another reason is because we're judgmental. We're critical and we judge other people, and then you're criticizing and judging God's law. God alone who gave the law is the judge. And here... There's a go-to verse for me. I've had it for years and years, and it is, Will not the Lord of all the earth do right? Doesn't God know what he's doing? Sometimes we just need to not talk. We just need to not be a troublemaker. We need to make sure we're not stirring it up. We just need to be people of peace. I read this funny story. Um, Millie Olson and her husband, she writes about this. They were having a big argument. They had a big fight, a big blowout. And she said for three days they didn't talk. <laughs> Just no communication. And after three days, her husband came and he said something like, do you know where my red shirt is? No, they hadn't talked for three days. He just kind of just sort of randomly said, hey, do you know where my red shirt is? And she's, she gets, you know, the hip thing. Guys, you know this. Uh, you know this posture. The hips. And she says, oh, now you're going to talk to me. 
And he said, I don't know, what are you talking about? She said, have you not noticed that we've not spoken for three days? And he said, I just thought we were getting along. Uh, I had no idea. Uh, So maybe we just need to get along, right? We need to stop just trying to stir it up. Look, there is a super cool verse. I believe it's Proverbs 19.11, but I'm not certain. That says, it is to a man's honor to overlook an offense. Can you be offended and not have to hit back? It is to a man's honor to overlook an offense. Be a peacemaker. Don't be offended. Just get, get over it. It's okay. It's okay. Last, kind of get two for one here. Finally, a a spiritually mature person is prayerful and patient. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmer who patiently waits for the rains, (laughs) unless you're in South Carolina, uh, who patiently waits for the rains in the fall and in the spring, and they eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. So you too should be patient. And James uh, 5.16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces great results. I like that he, one of the things about James people love is he uses all these illustrations that make sense to us. And, and he uses the illustration about patience and prayer. The one thing I know about farmers is they have to be incredibly patient, and many of them are people of prayer because they're not in control. You put a seed in the ground, then you really aren't in control much. I mean, you have to hope for rain or pray for rain, unless you have irrigation. I get that you can do some of that, but you still can't cause it to grow. And he uses this illustration, especially in that era where there wasn't irrigation. You would plant and you would pray and you would hope for rain and God gave it growth because that's how it always worked. And and here's what we have to understand about God. Sometimes as a child, you'll go to your parent and you'll say, I want this. And your your mom will say, "Uh, no, not yet. All we hear is no. What she said was no, not yet. And so if your kid comes to you and she says, hey, I want a cookie, and you say, no, not yet, we're going to wait till after lunch, you're not saying no. You're not saying no forever. It's no, not yet. There's a timing issue. And sometimes we ask for something, and God will say to us, no, not yet. It, it's going to happen. It's just not now. Can we be patient in prayer? Can we keep praying? Because we are, we are accustomed to instant gratification. And it, it hurts us when we try to pray because God doesn't always answer that way. And I know you can get any movie you want. Remember when you actually, remember this when you had to go to a store to rent a movie? You had to drive, physically drive there, remember that? And it said something about a buster on the on the and there was a block, and you went in, and there were shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves of movies that not only you were going to touch, but some other person who might have sneezed on them. And, uh, and, and there, was, there were, remember that? You had to physically go get a movie and pay for it and take it home and put it in a machine that may or may not work. And then you watched it, and then what did you have to do? Rewind. Be kind, rewind. Remember that? And you had to do it. You rewound it. And then you had to, you had what, two days, three days? I don't remember. Three, let's go with three. In three days, you had to watch that movie and take it back. Remember that? Oh, dark ages. 
Now I got a clicker like this. You wonder how long it takes me to get a movie now? As long as it takes me to navigate the clicks, because it's right there. And this is how we think. I, I prayed, why is it now? Why isn't it happening now? Well, God might be saying, not yet. A spiritually mature person is able to say, okay, not yet. So, how do I handle problems? And, and maybe you're not good at it yet. You know what? <laughs> this series is for you. Uh, am I sensitive to other people? Maybe you're not yet. This series is for you. Uh, can I manage my mouth? Maybe you can't. That's okay. This series is for you. Uh, am I a troublemaker or a peacemaker? Uh, if you don't know, ask the people around you. I'm pretty sure they know. And if you're not a peacemaker, this series is for you. How, how long can I wait for my prayer to be answered? Am I good at this or not? You might not be good yet. That's okay. This, this is why God gives us his word, because he, he wants us to grow up. I have four daughters. My ambition for every one of my girls is that they grow up. They have a maturity to them. They make good decisions based on Christian principles. They um, can fend for themselves. They can make their own way. They have their own faith. I mean, I want them to grow up, and God wants us to grow up, and he gives us his word to help us down our path. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you love us so much. You want the best for us, and that this is a day today where we can begin to walk down that path. Maybe we've already walked down it a bit. And maybe you can help us get better at these things. Maybe we really, really, really need to work on our mouth. Maybe we really need to work on how we see others and treat others. Maybe we really, really, really need your help in being a peacemaker and not a troublemaker and being patient in prayer. And maybe trouble just seems to get the best of us and it really shouldn't get the best of us. Father, we want to be folks who can be okay with trouble. We want to be people who control our mouths, and we want to be people who aren't overwhelmed when bad times happen. We want to be an encourager. We want to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Lord, we want to look like Jesus, who is our model. Help us to do that. We pray it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.